Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. What is up, everybody? My name is Hector Flores, host of the Insert Name FC podcast. And this episode, I will be by myself uh, for, for most of it. There is going to be a, an appearance uh, with somebody, and I'll, I'll kind of break that down. Uh, but yeah, episode 113, um, Edward is not feeling well. He actually lost his voice. And because of that, that's why um, I'm recording by myself. So I'm going to try my best to once again give you guys a, a good full episode. Uh, but like I said, it, it's a little, it, it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit challenging when it's just you. Um, but there's a lot of things to talk about. Um, like I kind of like leading up from last episode, we did, I did say that, uh, we were going to touch up on, um, on the Pierce Morgan, Cristiano Ronaldo interview because by the time we recorded last week's episode, that interview didn't drop. Well, now the interview has dropped it, you know, the 90 minute long, uh, interview has has is now available on Piers Morgan's uh, YouTube channel. So we're going to touch up about some of the main talking points that they had in that interview. Uh, you know, my thoughts would have been cool to have Edward here, or at least somebody to talk about it. Just as as far as like a Manchester United fan perspective, because obviously um, it's just me and I'm an Arsenal fan, but, um, but yeah, I'm going to do my best to share my thoughts and, and kind of interpret what I thought he was trying to approach with, or maybe even conflict, with some of his what what his beliefs were, um, but it was a big interview. Um, obviously, you know he drops this huge pipe bomb before going into the World Cup. You know, and obviously a lot of a lot of issues are coming from Manchester United side. Possibly could be you know Cristiano Ronaldo, the end of Cristiano Ronaldo at Manchester United. Um, and I mean, I think that's what he wants, anyways. Um, talk about a little bit about Qatar. There's a lot of controversy. Go figure. Because there's controversy in Qatar. Um. Yeah, we'll touch up on that as well. Um, as far as uh, talking, so we're going to do something a little bit different with uh, our the way these episodes are going to be done now, just because of the World Cup. And the thing that we're doing differently, we're still going to be recording Mondays, which is you know what we normally do. But um, because of the World Cup, um, 
I will actually do by my just me. We'll just be doing a another recording, another segment of kind of catching you guys up on the World Cup to then. So like basically getting you caught up till Friday the Friday games. And so and also that's when I will announce players of the week as well. Uh so a little bit differently, but it does it, it's it, I think it, it'll be it'll be more beneficial being that, you know, we at least mentioned what what happened, especially if you guys aren't really keeping up with the World Cup. Uh, also, in this episode, I will have Paul M. Banks from thesportsbank.net and also known for being the other host in After Extra Time. Um, we're going to talk about England versus USA, um, share our thoughts about, about that upcoming match. Like I said, the episode drops Friday. The game will be played on Friday. It is also Black Friday. Um, so, uh, probably by the time, maybe if you catch this episode a little bit earlier, uh, maybe you'll get that preview. Uh, if not, then maybe some of our takes have aged either well or very poorly. Um, but yeah, we'll talk about, about all that stuff, man. Um, uh, being that it is, uh, just me, um, there won't be a 303 down this episode. Uh, next episode, you know, once Edward's back, we'll do 303 down again. Uh, but yeah, so pretty straightforward episode. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo in the World Cup is basically the main talking points. Uh, but before we get to that, man, um, I think this is kind of sucks. I kind of wish Edward was here to talk about this, but, um, you know, obviously me, Edward and Spencer, we all, we're all, we're all nineties kids. We all grew up in the nineties. And, um, you know, I'm sure we all watched this one show in particular, and that is the Power Rangers, um, which, I, I think can, I can honestly say was a big part of my childhood was watching Power Rangers um, from from the the first one, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, all the way from what I remember. I think I stopped after Wild Fury, Fury Wild Sonic Fury, um, whichever one had like the the little the, the little crystal ball uh, animals, you know, the animal resorts. That was one of the last one I stopped after that I kind of just stopped watching Power Rangers. But, but obviously when we talk about the OGs, um, you know, Trini, Kimberly, everybody's first crush, uh, Kimberly, Billy, uh, Zach, and, and of course Jason. But, um, it, you know, the, the one real Power Ranger, the one that was generationally, I can say it could be everybody's hero. Jason David Frank also played Tommy Oliver, who was the Green Power Ranger. The White Power Ranger, uh, I believe he was the Red Power Ranger for Zeo Rangers and and Turbo, and um, and then came back to be the Black Ranger for I think Dino Thunder. I, I that was at one point I was not watching Power Rangers anymore, but um, but you know if if there was anybody symbolic to the Power Rangers, it was it was J- J- uh, Jason David Frank, um, and I honestly can at least speak for myself. Uh, I can't say for Edward. Spencer, but he is definitely, I would say, one of our our first real, our first heroes, you know, first hero uh, to watch. Obviously, you can even say Batman and and all that growing up for us, but you know, the Power Rangers was like the first time our 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 first ever superheroes. Um, At least I can say that for myself. And um, and yeah, you know, Tommy being you know the best, you know, right? Like he was the best Ranger. He was the leader of the Power Rangers. Um, He was. It was just. It was just great to to see him, and then obviously you know became a, a mixed martial artist. Um, has a, actually 
he he lives he lives used to live here obviously lived here in Houston for quite some time. He I believe he has a lot of uh martial arts schools here in, in Houston. Um but just a, a great person in the community. Uh I never really went to any con- you know comic book convention or anything like that, but that's I don't know, I just got I guess I don't really have time to do that, but I know he does a lot of appearances at, at comic book uh comic you know comic book conventions. Um, I know, I know. I had, a, I have a friend personally who who does go to a lot of those things, and uh, it was a really just, and, and like when when I found out the tragic news of his passing, um, you know, you, I I don't know why I remembered this, but I remember uh, my friend Jose. He posted a, a he posted a, a, a you know picture a post a whole like Instagram post of of his you know I believe his niece or. Uh, his niece, I think it was, who, you know, went to go meet Jason David Frank and like how excited she was. And like the cool thing about Jason David Frank, and I'm, I don't know, uh, you know, obviously I don't know him personally, but you know, he, you know, he was going to the event and he sees them like, you know, it, it's on his story. You know, it was on his Instagram story. Like he, you know, there's my friend Jose on it and it was because of that little girl. And, you know, so he was for him to be like appreciative. You know what I mean? Like, he takes the time to be grateful and he knows like, you know, because of him being a Power Ranger, like it has, it, it, he has affected so many lives just, and just playing a character. Um, but that man is a Power Ranger through and through. Um, it sucks that he passed away. It, it's been a rough, I think a rough month for childhood heroes, obviously, uh, Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman passed away as well. So it, it's just been tough, but to, to, I, I grew up on the Batman anime series. Um, you know, that guy's Batman. But, and, and I think that's the, that's the thing. Kevin Conroy, that's Batman. Jason David Frank, he is the Green Power Ranger. He is the Power Ranger. I think anybody can, I don't think anybody would argue that Tommy Oliver, he was the best Power Ranger, uh, to have ever been a Power Ranger, which is kind of weird to say because, you know, we're talking about this made up show, but yeah, it, it sucks. You know, that's, it's a childhood hero of mine. And, uh, um, it's unfortunate that that you know the way he passed at such a young age, but you know that that kind of goes back to the whole thing of um, you know if if you you know when you think you're alone, you're really not, um, and, and there's nothing wrong with going going and and, and getting help, uh, reaching out to somebody, even like never feel and, and I and I hope that I I I I hope I I'm able to. Here, at least have someone hear this out. But if you feel like things are not going the way you want, and and you think that there's only one solution, I'm telling you, your your life is precious. Your your you your life means somebody to somebody, and and and, and this is for someone that has experienced um, a lot of tragedy through, through suicide. Um, and I don't shy away from that topic. That's a to- you know that's one of those topics that I that I am I, I fight for because. You know, I do want people to get the help that they need, and as someone that has dealt with with, with that, that has it's impacted my own life. But it, you know, there's there's so many resources to go, and and do not shy away. If you need help, go get help, or you know, talk to somebody. And and, and you know, and even on the on on the other end, you know, never, you know, the best thing you can always do is always hear somebody out. Is impactful. It is it is, you know, 
it can really make a difference. So um, never consider anything as a waste of time. If they come to you and they want to talk to you, um, give give it everything you got. You, you know, so um, rest in peace, Jason David Frank. Um, it sucks. Like I said, it, this was a, a childhood hero of mine. Um, and to see him not in this world anymore, bringing joy to people is definitely one that hits me hard. But yeah, uh, I, I'm sorry. I had, I went on that whole, in that whole soapbox, but, but like I said, um, recipes, Jason David Frank, the Green Power Ranger, once a ranger, always a ranger. Um, thank you for being such a big part of my life. Uh, being a part of Edward's life. I'm sure Spencer grew up watching the Power Rangers too. The, you know, Jason David Frank was definitely a big part of our childhood. And so, you know, for that, thank you. And, um, and obviously thoughts and prayers to his family. I know that's not the, the, the phrase anyone wants to hear, but yeah, thoughts and prayers to his family and, uh, and, and friends. And, and so, all right. So, we'll, you know, so now we're going to go on with the episode. I'm sorry, but I just had to, had to say that. Um, it is my childhood hero after all, but we're going to go ahead and take a break and then we'll get going with the headlines. This break was brought to you by Audible. Audible provides you a large library of audiobooks that you can listen to at your convenience from horror genre all the way to biographies. Audible has it all. Make sure you guys go ahead and use the link audibletrial.com forward slash insert name FC podcast. Go ahead and get yourself a 30 day free trial. Once again, thank you to Audible for this part of break. And we're back. Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram and Twitter at insert name FC. Um, there's a lot of things going on, man. Yeah, the Run Your Pool Challenge is now underway. Um, don't think you can you can sign up anymore. I mean, the time has at least for the groups. Um, obviously, you can't move on to the next round if you didn't make group picks. So I, I won't touch up on that part, but. Make sure you check, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're always constantly posting, uh, po- making posts out there. Um, also be on the loop because obviously, uh, we still have the possible jersey bet that, the, well, not the possible, the jersey bet that if in the event that Tottenham, if, if Tottenham wins a trophy, I will be doing a jersey giveaway. I don't think that's going to happen, but hey, anything is possible, right? But all right, man. Once again, Instagram and Twitter at insert name FC. All right, man. So. Qatar, man, has been on some bullshit, man. Everybody knows it. Everybody doesn't like it. You know, I'll get about my thoughts on Infantino. But, uh, but yeah, start, starting off with Qatar, man. So a lot of people were saying that, like, you know, when, when they were looking at the, um, at the, I guess the housing that they were offering to, to all the fans that were going to Qatar for the World Cup. Um, and, <laughs> So people were comparing it to Firefest. So for those of you who don't know, Firefest is this was this musical fest, this music festival that uh, was going to be in the Bahamas. That was supposed to be like this this amazing event. Like the, the everyone was going to live in a in a style luxury, even if you paid for like the cheapest, uh, the cheaper housing options. Like it was going to be this once in a lifetime opportunity. You know they had Blink One Eighty Two. I think they had like. Uh, then Kanye was Kanye West was well Kanye West was supposed to be uh, also doing something there, but it was just this huge event that nothing happened. It didn't actually happen. Uh, it, you know, the, the the housing was these like really poor tents. Um, like the food quality was awful. 
it was just a complete total shit show. And so the housing, I would say, um, it, 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 it definitely doesn't look like you can stay. It doesn't look like it'll keep you cool, especially during the day when I'm assuming it's, it's actually even, even it not being in the summer, it's still pretty hot. Um, and so yeah, so there's that. Um, yeah, I've seen some videos of, of the housing. Um, apparently like if you, they don't have toilet paper. So make sure if you, if you do plan on going to guitar, make sure you bring some toilet paper with you. If you're going for the World Cup. Um, so people were, there was a lot of complaints about the house, about like the, the living situations over there in Qatar as far as, you know, those, I think they're paying like 200, the rent, the, the, not the rent, the, it's like 200 a night or something like that. Um, so yeah, people were complaining about that. Um, the big complaint, obviously with not one of the biggest complaints, but one of the, one of the, I guess, conflicting complaints is, um, you know, obviously no beer, you know, well, so there is local areas that you can drink beer at, but obviously once you go into the stadium, you cannot drink it. You, you, there's no beer there. You can't drink beer in, in the stadium. Um, but there is locations where you can buy beer. So you can drink beer, but it obviously, I believe like they close at a certain time. So that way, by the time the, the game starts, you're sober again, if you will. Um, so yeah, it's a, but the thing was, that's really, the, to me, that's not really that big of a deal. Um, I, I get it. You're, you're enjoying yourself. You want to have some, you know, you, know, you want to have some alcohol in you, um, and, and all that. But, um, the, the, the thing to me that's kind of conflicting about it is because one of the biggest sponsors for the World Cup is Budweiser. You know, they do the Budweiser, most valuable player, you know, all that stuff. And so, and you know, obviously if you're having an event that's, you know, I think millions of dollars that are being thrown in from Budweiser to have their name on this World Cup, um, they're going to have tents. And I believe there was like videos of, of like the, you know, the people of Qatar like taking those, those tents away because they're like, no, we're not, we're not doing that. Um, and, and, and the reason why I say it's conflicting is because this is a sponsor. This is FIFA. This is how FIFA, they get their money, you know, like, I mean, obviously with ticket prices and all that, but, um, but yeah, obviously Qatar, they benefit from the tourism, the tourism side of it, but you know, like, FIFA still got to make their money too, and, and so when you're taking, you know, move, you know, taking down these these tents for Budweiser, it's definitely not a good look for them. You know, it's like, hey man, you know, this is what y'all promised me, and y'all not living up to your side of the of the, of the contract. So I, I mean, I don't know if there's any contractual issues that are gonna happen in like lawsuits, lawsuits or anything that's coming from Budweiser. I mean, I would assume they would be because of the fact that this was. I'm sure that this is part of the contract that you're supposed to have signage and, and tents and low, you know, places where they can promote Budweiser. And, and you have the Qatari government saying, no, we're not doing that because once again, they don't, they don't drink like that. Uh, they don't, they don't believe in, I don't really know necessarily know what exactly it is, but I know you just can't, be, I guess you can't be out drinking. And so, uh, so, so that's kind of a, to me, that's, that's a big conflict for FIFA because like I said, that's a big sponsor. You're getting money for that. Uh, they're paying for to get that kind of attention like that. So it's not a good look for for FIFA that they're you know. And I get it that you got respect what the about the police of Qatar and all that. And I, I totally get that part. But you know, like 
you knew what you were getting yourself into. Like you're not. This isn't new that that Budweiser is a big sponsor for the World Cup. So like the the thing with me is that Qatar, like the 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 whole. I mean, obviously the whole bribery thing to get this World Cup bid. But it's like you knew, you knew what comes with the World Cup. You knew Budweiser is a big sponsor. Why would you have not mentioned this till now? Like, why don't you ask, tell FIFA like, hey, I don't kind of, I don't feel comfortable with Budweiser being, you know, here. And, and so, if you would have just done that, this could have maybe that maybe they could have been like, okay, let's go find a new sponsor, or let's try to talk to Budweiser, see what we could do to make things a little bit easier. But no, they didn't. They didn't give them enough time to go ahead and make those changes because Qatar just let it go, and Budweiser, who already printed out cans, you know, with the World Cup on it, making their World Cup edition beers, and, and they don't, and they can't do anything with it, right? And so, I mean, they still, people can still drink. That's not the issue. It's just that, you know, it, it's, they can't drink in the stadium, you know? Like I said, that's advertising. Just, it, it's, so I, I'm sure that FIFA's going to have to answer some questions to Budweiser, at least for that. Um, obviously, Qatar, it has their their human rights issues, obviously, they're, uh, you know, the the whole LG, the, the whole thing about them being in the LGBTQ, uh, LGBTQ community, um, the migrant workers, all that stuff. So, obviously, this is such, it is such a bad one. It's not even the, the World Cup isn't the bad part. It's the, it's the fact that Qatar is hosting this. And Qatar is such a conflicting problem. I think there was like some some rumors about possibly like I think United Arab Emirates and Saudi Arabia were talking about like joining forces to take over Qatar. So I don't know. That's a that's a whole other debacle that I'm not entirely sure is true or not. But obviously they were saying, no, you're you're welcome here. You can you can express yourself here. Um, but apparently I've been seeing also some things of them like I think someone was wearing a, a rainbow mask, like you know a mask. Um, you know, just, I guess they're, you know they're still trying to be safe with COVID and all that. And um, they had them remove them. They 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 told them to remove the mask, and they were going to give them a blue one. You know, the, the typical blue masks uh, that you see most people you know have the disposable ones. So like, so there was that, and then there was also uh, a you know a lot of captains. Harry Kane specifically was one of those captains that was talking about wearing a one love captain's armband to kind of have their their own form of protest towards uh you know Qatar and um and, and FIFA steps in and says if they see you wearing that armband you'll get an automatic yellow card which I'm sorry but that's that's bullshit. Like that is just pure bullshit. I don't like the I get to respect culture. I, I totally get that. But to like really um yeah, it's kind of infuriating, but and, and like you know, some people were hoping that maybe, maybe the players would would take that risk. But look, that's a yellow card, man. Like you go, you don't even start the game already, and you get a yellow card. Like that means you have to be like you're walking on eggshells for the rest of the game. And it, the the slightest mistake that you if you if you if you tackle somebody a little too hard, and they throw that second yellow, you're out of the game. Like that's it's just that's just the way it is. So I I get that the you know it could be rewarding. You could be seen as this hero if you choose to do wear the captain's armband, that captain's armband. But 
I can I can understand that like why you choose not to. And, and I mean that sucks. That basically people was put them in that situation. Um people were harassing the media. Like there was a, a guy from Denmark, I think he was just report doing a report well, you know, his his report on he's in Qatar, he's doing his news report in anticipation of the World Cup. And and you had uh Qatari officials, you know, attack him and, and the cameraman threatening to destroy the camera. It was just not a good look. It's it's just not been a good look for Qatar on some little things. Um yeah, it, it, the thing is with me, and, and like like I said, the thing the things that I that that, that like I get it was done is done. Qatar's the host. Like there's no going back at this point. Like, they, obviously, the World Cup is we're we're in the World Cup, but the issue is that is that the whole alcohol thing. I feel like Qatar could have said something to FIFA like ahead of time, like hey man, we don't we're not really comfortable with this Budweiser deal. Um, and, and so you could have easily told FIFA that and FIFA could have been a little bit more comedy, maybe find another sponsor, you know, to, to promote uh, and to have tents up for. Um, it, uh, the, the thing is with me is that the protesting for, and, and you said that, you know, like that's the thing though, you were saying like, yeah, you have every right to, you know, we, we're not against you guys being, you know, to protest and all that, like, you're like we're like show the rainbow and all that, and then but at the same time you're like don't show the rainbow. So it's like it's very conflicting. Like I said, it, Qatar Qatar is just not helping themselves. Like this is like you're you're just making people more and more not like Qatar. And like they don't like you to be. It's like it's you're you're already going in being hated because of the whole bribery, getting the World Cup spot, getting the hosting the World Cup through pure bribery. Um, the the human rights issues, the obviously the the, discrimin- the discrimination towards the LGBTQ community, um, the fact that you you have not paid, you know, the the, the the migrant workers that were not getting paid and, and have died to build these stadiums that you chose to move to, to to November to have the World Cup in November because of how dangerously hot the summer was, but apparently it's not that dangerous for your migrant workers. Um, Qatar was al- it's like Qatar was already not really well liked. Going into this World Cup, and, and you know the, la- the these recent things that are coming up, it's like you're making things worse and worse. I don't know if it's a fire fest, because obviously the tournament is happening. Uh, <laughs> I can honestly say, uh, what was it? Uh, what, what was it? Was it? I can honestly and like honestly tell you that like. Some people compare it to Fire Fest, but for me, I kind of want to compare it to Woodstock '99. And and, and and you know Woodstock '99. If, if for those of you who don't know about Woodstock '99, it it was you know they wanted to re redo Woodstock. Woodstock was this huge music festival that happened back in the in the seven. Yeah, I think I think it was like in the '60s, late '60s, somewhere around there. Um, it was this huge con- a concert, the big gathering, you know, love, peace, and all that. Um, and so they try to do it. They've tried to do it multiple t- different occasions, but then '99 was like the year that it was looked like it was going to be coming to full fruition. They had the lineup, they had the venue, the location, and all that. Um, 
and it led into a massive, massive shit show. Like, I mean, people, it literally ended with almost the whole place set on fire. So, do I think it's going to get that extreme? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, if, like, the living conditions are as poor as it is and people are frustrated with those living conditions, you never know. You really don't know what's, what could happen. But I hope it doesn't get to that level because I would that would just... Well, I mean, it depends. Like, if you really hate this World Cup, um, like uh, like Mookie over at Craft and Brew, maybe you do hope it, it, it ends up like like Woodstock '99. But for at least for the sake of of for me, for the sake of the game, I really don't want it to be that because like it's already people are already not wanting to watch this World Cup because of the fact of of the of fact that Qatar is supposed to get. Even with the storylines that this could be Messi's last World Cup, this this is Messi's last World Cup. This is Cristiano Ronaldo's last World Cup. Like, there's some great storylines that are in this World Cup, um, and we're we're basically not even talking about it because we're still on the whole fact that Stars is not really helping the, the, their case right now. And so, and then I think fake fans. Um, a lot of people saw like videos of. Hey, look! The fans are you know the, the fans are already here. It's like you can tell they're from they're from Qatar, <laughs> like they're Qatar people, but wearing like Spanish or French or Mexico jerseys, um, which I thought was funny. I don't necessarily think it was like, come on, guys, um, but like now you're seeing fans coming. Like now you're seeing the Mexican fans. You're seeing the the USA fans. The, like you're seeing fans in the stadiums. Like it's not it's not they're there. So it's not one of those things where you can like. Just prove it. Like I mean, there's fans literally in that play, in that, in that, in that, in guitar. So, um, so that's my little defense for them. But um, before before I go with the Cristiano Ronaldo interview, so Infantino, Yanni Infantino, currently the guy that's in charge of, of FIFA. You have been just very tone deaf, and not and, and and I'm getting annoyed of it. You with the whole issue with the migrant workers, you you. You you really like like dead tone is literally the word I can think of, and it's because of the fact that like you your speech was about how proud of that your parents were also migrant workers, and and I can I can speak for that too. I mean my my parents are migrant workers. They came into this country, but they came in and worked their asses off, and so I get that sense of pride. But but that's not the point. That's not the point, Infantino. The point is is that these men these people that are working on building this thing in the summer where it's supposed to be like ridiculously fucking hot like life life ending like that bad that bad kind of heat they're not getting paid their living conditions are god awful and people are dying while building these things like these things are built on the on on you know people die building these stadiums and, and you're so like out of the loop that you're looking at the migrant worker part Instead of looking at the fact that people are just are dying, people died to build this stadium. Like you're, that that like there's blood on your hands because of this World Cup. And so like him constantly making these oh my these dumb comments to to like try to like make Qatar and it's like you trying to make Qatar better isn't helping Qatar even more. And it, it, it sucks, man. Like I because. The national team of Qatar, like I, like I said, a lot of positive things, but obviously it gets overshadowed because of the fact that no one likes Qatar as a country. And um, but 
Infantino, man, this was the, the, the so obviously people were like, one of the big things, the, obviously the human, the, the LGBT, you know, the, the human rights issues that, that were, were the, that's in Qatar. And, and, and Infantino chooses to shame the rest of the world because they're like, oh, well, 3,000 years ago, you know, we did all these things, you know, our, 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 our ancestors did all. I guess point for you. What is that? Like that was then, and this is now. Like, I, and and you know, we don't forget about then. We we know about the past. Like, we don't forget that shit. Like, we get we we get those 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 thoughts that you have in Ventino, but that's not the point. The point is that's that that's what's going on in guitar right now, and so that that's the issue. The issue is that. You guys went into make the one. Seth Bladder screwed you over, and, and it's funny because Seth Bladder now wants to say like, "Yeah, this was a big mistake, no shit." And, and so like, like that happened. It, you know, this happens. You're now you're in this hole, and you're trying to make it better, but you're you're not. You're you're just digging the hole deeper. Um. So you're trying to you're trying to colonize shame the rest of the world. Because of, of it's like get off your get off your stop thinking that you what you're saying is helping. It's not. It, it's doing the complete opposite of it. Um, it. It's just tone deaf. It's like you you're beating around the bush. You're 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 not seeing what the real issue is, and that's what's really pissing me off about about what Infantino is doing. And so, yeah, Infantino, I think at this point just needs to shut the fuck up. Like I, I don't think that any, like at this point, anything that comes out of your mouth is probably not going to make make anything better. Um, so that, that's all I gotta say about Infantino. Because God dang, this dude is just stupid. Um, but yeah, let's get going with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, all right. So for those of you who don't know, here's Morgan. I'm assuming it's like, it's like I guess. <laughs> I don't want to say Dr. Phil. I don't think Dr. Phil is the right word. Uh, I know he's like this investigative reporter. I, honestly, I don't really watch much news to like tell you like who's a good investigative reporter. Um, but eh, fuck it. I'll just say Dr. Phil because I, the reason why I, I want to say Dr. Phil is because I know Dr. Phil when uh, the whole Manti Teo thing, he interviewed the, the, the person that catfished Manti Teo. So I, I'm going to just say, you know, Piers Morgan is like Dr. Phil in some sense. Probably not. Like I'm, I'm. He's an investigative reporter. Doctor Phil's just this talk show host. But, but hey, you know, to each his own. Um, I'm trying to. I can't think of anyone. Honestly, I don't watch news. I don't know who's the big top head, like the top reporter. But um, or whoever the hell was the one that re- uh, interviewed Charlie Sheen and and R. Kelly. Maybe maybe they, that's the better example. But anyways, um, Sean Ronaldo literally before the World Cup starts. Drops his interview that he did with Piers Morgan, where he was gonna he was gonna set the record straight. That that's what Piers Morgan actually said. Uh, he he uh, he was gonna say everything that that's on his mind, everything that has trans that has that has gone down during his time at Manchester United. Um, that it's gonna it's gonna basically he did his his pipe bomb. He he dropped the pipe bomb, um, and, and so. Literally, as he's walking out of Manchester United to go to Qatar to go play in the World Cup, he does this, and, and I think just in in pure comical fashion, this is this is what we get is this 
90 minute long interview, an hour and a half for those of you who don't want to want to want to measure that of of him talking with Piers Morgan. And um, before I get to to the interview itself, Piers Morgan, uh, yeah, he is kissing the fuck out of Ronaldo's ass during this whole interview. And I get it that they have, I guess they, uh, I guess they're, I don't want to say friends, but clearly, you know. There's an admiration for each other. Apparently, I know that they, they Piers Morgan did an interview with him pre, uh, another time, and, and obviously did the it was that's the like the viral moment of him like watching a video of his dad and, and Ronaldo starts crying, um, which I'm sure people were shocked that he had emotion. Um, but the, the the issue is right now is that Ronaldo's not playing, and there's a lot of controversy that's going on with his relationship with with uh, Manchester United with with Eric Ten Hag. Um, you know him walking out of the Tottenham game, uh, the pre that he didn't show up for preseason, and, and 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 the whole rumor, the speculation that he wanted to leave Manchester United so he can go play Champions League, like all these things, um, were going on, and, and like, you know, I guess Ronaldo wants people to hear his side of the story. Uh, I will say, going into this season, I thought they should have they should have tried to figure out a way. To get get Ronaldo out of the club, I uh, just because of the fact that, like for for me, Manchester United wasn't going to move on until Ronaldo was out. Because um, there's always going to be that obligation that you have to put Ronaldo out there. They haven't been putting Ronaldo out. I mean, he's been playing. He'll, he's been playing some games. He he comes off the bench sometimes uh, when he when he's okay with it. Um, so like, but I just thought, yeah, he just needs to move on. The thing is, I wasn't entirely sure where he could play. Um, one person did not want him back at Real Madrid. Um, I I thought it would have made sense for him to go to Sporting, you know, go play in the club where he started his whole career. Um, maybe a move to the MLS, who knows? But he, he just, I don't know. I don't know what happened. But here are the talking points for the interview. So they are, they start off with the first thing, which is how he ended up coming back to Manchester United, uh, which if you guys don't know, when, when Ronaldo was, um, you know, being was be there was some drama going on with Juventus also going to on his exit when he was leaving Juventus, and um, you know the rumor was that Ronaldo was actually going to go to he was going to go to Manchester City. He was going to go play for Manchester City, and uh, what well, like it was it was the it was going to happen. He was going to Man City. Um, apparently, what what before you know. Sir Alex Ferguson talked to Ronaldo and told him that he he can't do this. He has he, you know he knows he can't do this. He can't go play for Manchester City. Uh, Ronaldo, out of respect to Sir Alex Ferguson, agrees and then ends up going to Manchester United, where everybody was really happy. They thought they they were going to have their the goat has returned and all that good stuff. But and I mean honestly, last season wasn't that bad for him. He led the team in goals. He was he was he was scoring goals for them. So. He definitely wasn't out of form, but there was a lot of other issues why Manchester United wasn't that good last year, and it definitely wasn't just because it was definitely not Cristiano Ronaldo. I don't, I don't want to say that Ronaldo was the reason why. It, there was a lot of drama going. Old Gunnar Solskjaer obviously gets fired. They bring in Ralph Ragnick, someone that I view very highly. Uh, but honestly, there's so many issues with this club that Ronaldo was not the was not the the issue. It was. It, the club, Manchester United has just been it has been a shit show. They've just not been 
the club that they used to be over the glory years, the years that they had Sir Alex Ferguson, it has literally plummeted since Sir Alex Ferguson left Manchester United. Um, which kind of leads into the next point that was brought into. So what the, the current status of Manchester United, Ronaldo says that it they declined since Sir Alex Ferguson left. So it kind of proves my point. Um, he even talked about how Manchester United is literally still the same when he left. And he's been gone for a while. He left in 2009. 2009, I think. I believe 2009, he left to go play for Real Madrid. Um, you know, he goes to Real Madrid, plays for Real Madrid for, I believe, like nine seasons. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head. But I know he, he played for a good chunk of his career at, at Real Madrid. Then goes to the events and then comes back. And he, he said when he when he came back that everything looked the same. The gym looked the same. The facilities looked the same. The the jacuzzis, hell, the people that even worked in the cafeteria were the same people. So he he said that they haven't progressed. They haven't advanced. They haven't you know they don't they don't use there's they they haven't ad, haven't advanced as the game has advanced. He was talking about how Real Madrid has has stayed, you know, with the trends of of, of the way the game's being looked at as far as like fitness and, and dieting and technology and even said that even for Juventus but Manchester United was still in the same place he also was talking about the 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 the, 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 the last season where you where you you, you know Ole Gunnar uh, Spolstar gets fired um, and then you bring in Ralph Ragnick now Ronaldo said he, he does not know who Ralph Ragnick is and I think I understand why because obviously he's not a he doesn't watch the Bundesliga so he doesn't I think the only thing he knows about Bundesliga is Bayern Munich and um, Ralph Ragnick. I mean, you would have to know Bundesliga, but remember this guy. For if, if for people that don't want to, Ralph Ragnick is the guy that kind of opened up that coaching tree for a lot of the co- big time coaches that you see now. You know, managing these some of these top clubs, Jurgen Klopp being one of the prime examples of what he's been. Well, maybe not right now with Liverpool. But Jurgen Klopp is one of those names. Thomas Tuchel is another name that um, that is part of Ralph Ragnick's uh, coaching tree. So I mean, in in German in German soccer, he's well known. Ronaldo, he's not German, so he doesn't know much of Ralph Ragnick. But yeah, he didn't he didn't have a good stint over at Manchester United. Like I said, though, I think co- a coach a manager is not is not necessarily the big issue for Manchester United. There's a whole laundry list of issues with Manchester United, but. Yeah, he was talking about how Ralph Ragnick and all them, like, yeah, that some of the moves that they have made, uh, since Sir Alex Ferguson has left has, has not been good. Um, and then he goes and touches up on the youth. Um, you know, he talks about how he wants to set a good example for the players, like, like to be the mentality of, lead, you know, I'm leading by example. He come, he's the first one to go. He's the first one to come in, last one to leave, you know, all those things. Um, you know, he always tries to share his wisdom. Uh, you know, all all those things that you know, you know, a young player that, especially when you're in a, a young player that's playing with Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the best to have ever played the game, you would you would expect you know the players want to learn some things from him. Um, but the thoughts that he said about the young players were he he, he questioned their mentality. He said that they lacked hunger, that they they weren't suffering, and frankly, they just don't care. I think this is kind of at this point. The, the, this whole segment about young players is just <laughs> Ronaldo 
being old man yells at cloud right now because he's just like this is just the things that people complain about the younger generation right now um there's he's saying that they lack hunger that they that they don't suffer and, and, and here's the thing with me as far as when you're talking about the youth ronaldo comes literally comes from nothing right like he, he you know his family was i don't think his family was I don't think they were poor, but they weren't, you know, they weren't rich either. Um, but, you know, he was playing in the streets of Portugal and, um, you know, him playing soccer was able to open up an opportunity for his family to have a better life. Um, you know, he, there was a struggle for him, you know, growing up like this was, this was the means to his end. Like he needed to be good at soccer to get out of it messy. He needed soccer. To get the life that he had, you know, yeah, like there are, and I think you can say that for most sports, like guys that just like they come from nothing to become these big athletes, these these big stars, these heroes to to some to some kids, and and I get all those things that like there was hunger there, right? The hunger was to get out, like to get out and give a better life for your family, and, and I think. Now, like fast forwarding to now, I don't think that that's big, that big of an issue now these days. Yes, there's still poverty. Just poverty is still a thing. And I'm not saying that there isn't, but I mean, for a lot of these guys that maybe are playing now, you know, they don't necessarily come from, you know, poverty. Um, they don't, they come from, maybe come from very healthy, you know, very stable families. Like, you know, it isn't, you know, kid raised by just by his, by one parent, you know, they have both their parents in their lives, you know. So, yeah. so like for me, I don't think it's like a lack of hunger because there's no, I don't need like the maybe the mentality is like I don't need this game to have a good life, and, and maybe some people view it that way. But for me, I feel it is the guys that are out there are out there because they want to be there because they love the game. They're not there to. You know, oh, I'm here to make all this money so I can, you know, take care of my mom. And I'm sure if once if that opportunity arises for them, that they will go and take care of their, you know, go and you know take care of their families. But it, you know, I think now it's more so like I love this game. I'm pretty good at it. And I kind of want to make a career out of it. So like, I don't know if it. I think it's just different mentalities of it, just depending on different settings. I I think you know especially because most of these guys now are are children of of some of these big name players from back in the day, so obviously their lives are a little bit like Erling Haaland. His dad played for Manchester City. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't like the best player to Manchester City or anything like that. But his dad was a professional player, and so and, and look at him. He's one of the best player. He possibly could be one of the best players in the world in Erling Haaland. Um, so I don't necessarily. I think his his thought process is a little bit different, a little bit dated. Funny enough, as he's talking about how Manchester United is outdated, his thought his thought process is a little bit outdated. There's there's different ways to approach a young player, and I think to ha- to assume that because these guys don't come from your don't come from your roots, that they don't have their own struggles. I'm sure that everybody has their struggles, um, but I don't think that means that they don't care. Um, you know, they, he says that technology distracts him. I mean, that's which is funny because Ronaldo has has the record for most followers on on Instagram, I believe. So 
if anybody's distracted by technology, it's probably him too. Um, he says that they hear but do not listen. Uh, that it goes in one ear and not the other. I'm 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 gonna say this um, about about that with Ronaldo because, like I said, there's a certain way to approach a a young person, okay? Not just a young player, but just a young person in general, and, and they know the difference from being told something versus someone talking to you. Like for instance, my niece, like if if I'm if I'm telling her something, she's probably not gonna listen to me. But if I'm talking to her, she'll listen, and, and so like. Maybe maybe Ronaldo's just a dick. Like I mean, I don't I don't know if the fact that the, if the guys don't want to listen to you, the fact that they don't want to listen to you because they think you're an asshole. So I mean, you know, you know, there's that. Um, and then he has the audacity audacity to question if they're gonna have long careers, like they won't they won't have longevity because they don't care. I mean, you know, one life is short. No one no one knows how life really is gonna end up for everybody. Um. Yes, Ronaldo is doing things that no one thought he would be doing as a 37-year-old. But, like, honestly, most guys retire at 35 or 33 or 33. Some people retire at 33. Freaking Donovan retired at 31, at least a few times. And, you know, like, that's not your judgment, Paul. Like, you know, there is guys that are right now in the game that are doing amazing things. And, 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 and yeah, they're young, like Saka, like he scored two goals for England, you know, uh, as, as, you know, when I record this. Um, like for you to dictate that you think because of their mentality that they're not going to have a long career, it, it to me is the dumbest fucking thing I ever heard in my life. So yeah, I think Ronaldo, you know, talk about outdated, like your thoughts on the youth players are just out, is outdated as well. Cause you're like, they gotta approach it the same way I approach. But there's no, there's no right or wrong way to approach certain things. Um, there's no right or wrong way to play soccer. I mean, there actually is a wrong way to play soccer, but like your way of doing it isn't has to doesn't have to be the same way for somebody else. He's talking about how when he was younger that he would listen to guys like Roy King and and Rudy Van and Rudy Van Nistelrooy and, and and you know like everything that they said to them was gospel. I'm sure it was a different era, and I mean. You probably went up to them and talked to them, but like, you know, maybe they don't want to hear what you got to say. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe they don't care because they really don't care what you have to say. Because I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. If I'm Marcus Rashford, who is hoping to have more starts and more playing time, and you come in and you basically take his starting spot away, I wouldn't want to hear from you. So it, it, it's different. Like, I mean. Yes, you're a goat, and I'm sure the respect is there for that. But like, you're old. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's the fact. Like, you're old, Cristiano. Like, if they wanted to ask you advice, that they'd ask for it. But you're telling them. Like, that's the thing that I'm, I'm, I'm getting. I'm, I'm assuming at this point that Ronaldo's just telling them stuff, and they just don't want to hear it. And I, just, I think that's what I'm, I'm getting at this point. Um. And, and like Ronaldo just needs to get you know stop walking around like his shit don't stink because it does, bro. It does. Um. So this was a little bit more of a personal uh, thing that happened, which was uh, Ronaldo, um, Ronaldo and his girlfriend Georgina. Uh, you know they had twins. Unfortunately, one of the twins did not make it. Um. So he, you know, he he talked about uh, 
he, he was talking about it and, and you know obviously we we saw all the things that you know we, we saw the, what happened it, it, it's tragic you know the loss of a child and it's a weird thing right because like you had twins right so one of them didn't make it but you, like it was like a, a you know you there was a life that you you still gotta be there for and unfortunately there was this other thing where this other one that they didn't unfortunately make it so it's like a weird like i'm happy but really sad at the same time and and something that I hope I never have to go through, and I don't, I don't wish that on my worst enemy. Um, but yeah, and I, I, you know, he talked about it and how impactful that was to him, and and you know, for him to be straightforward with his children about it. Uh, I'm not really gonna touch much too much on it, but you know, that was one of the things that hit him last season. It, it's a, it has impact on what happened last season. Um, you know, obviously Arsenal in the seven minute, they gave him a standing ovation. Uh, Liverpool fans, you know, they, they they sang "You Never Walk Alone" to him. Um, so he, a lot of support came his way because of that incident. Um, and then he goes, to, moving, keep moving on. This, I'm going off of exactly the order of this whole interview. By the way, it's not like if you guys think I'm being random with with certain things. It's literally this was the order the interview went in. Um, criticism from the media, obviously. Manchester United ain't performing. It, you know. Oleg, Oleg Gunnar Solskjaer gets fired. Who do you got to blame? Ronaldo. And I'm, here's the thing. Yes, Ronaldo, you're scoring goals. That's cool. But you don't press. You don't defend. And, and I get that you're, a, you're, you're now a striker, so you don't necessarily have to defend. But you were statistically proven to be one of the worst at pressing. Like, that... Like I get that you're not gonna go come all the way to the back and try to you know block some shots in on on in the in, in the box or anything like that, but like you don't even press the 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 back line when they're moving the ball up for you know the opposing back line. Like you're not even doing like you're not even putting a little bit of pressure, man. That's like literally what that stat meant. So while you are scoring goals, soccer is you know you gotta be a two way player, man. Like Regardless of your status, regardless of your age, you got to be a two-way player. Hell, Zlatan even plays two-way, and Zlatan's 40 years old. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's, that was, I, I think that criticism was warranted. But uh, the thing was that obviously some of the me- some of the people in the media, one is not really media, one's a coach, but it's Gary Neville and Wayne Rooney. So if you guys don't know, Gary Neville and Wayne Rooney are team, former teammates of Cristiano Ronaldo, and, and they had they criticized Ronaldo. They, they said some things about Ronaldo. Um, Look, man. The thing is, media is going to criticize is going to criticize you one day and then love you the next. That's just that's just what happens. But um, you really have to just take it with a grain of salt and just move on from it. At least that's what I would my approach would be. I can't tell you. I'm not a famous athlete. Um, but yeah, I just you know, obviously it, it probably did strike a nerve with you because obviously these were guys that you you were teammates with. This is. Guys that you you battle through the the glory years at Manchester United with, um, and they're criticizing you now. And I think, I think for me, for my thought, the thing is with Gary Neville and Wayne Rooney is that they stayed at Manchester United while Ronaldo went off to go play for Real Madrid. Um, so it's probably a little bit different the feeling that they have because they feel like they're more essentially more loyal and this is only this is my thought. I'm not trying I'm not speaking for them anyways. But you know, you like you left, bro. Like you 
you went off into different pastures while we stayed put at, at Manchester United, being loyal to Manchester United. Maybe not so much at the end for Gary, uh, for, for Wayne Rooney because he went to Everton, then went to DC United, then went to Derby County. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, the fact that you care so much, you say you don't care about what the media is saying, but then you're over here talking. One of them, you're calling them freaking cockroaches or whatever, uh, rats or whatever the fuck you were calling. Yeah, you definitely don't care what the media says if you're, if you're giving them fucking names like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, that kind of def- that kind of ruined your narrative there. Um, obviously, he's talking about a social. This is how you know you're full of yourself, by the way. I, I'm gonna move on for the social media thing. I kind of already touched up on that one. Um, the whole so- the- he called himself the black sheep. <laughs> I'm so- I am so sorry, but. You're not the black sheep because you're getting criticized. The reason why they criticize you is because one, you're Sean Ronaldo, you're 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 the big name star, you're 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 the big name, right? You're the big name for Manchester United. You are the face of Manchester United. When people say Manchester United, they think of Ronaldo. You're the one that's gonna hit, get faced with criticism because while you're also scoring goals, you're not defending for a, like they probably wouldn't say anything to you if it wasn't for the fact that as much as effort you put in scoring goals, you would put at least a little bit of effort in defending. Like but you're the black sheep. I'm sorry, the black sheep always gets criticized. That was such a that was stupid. That was a stupid thing for him. Alright. That was last season. Now we're going into 2022 preseason. So in, in the 2022 preseason, Ronaldo didn't end up going to preseason. And the issue was his daughter got sick. She got bronchitis. That's that, that's his story. Um so he chose to be with family. And I totally get that. Family comes first, you know, Vin Diesel, you know, Fast and Furious, blah, blah, blah. I get all those things and I'm fine with that decision. Apparently, Manchester United did not believe him. Um, obviously, it wasn't a good look. It, obviously, this is also amidst the rumors that he wanted out of Manchester United. He wanted to go play somewhere that was going to play Champions League. And uh, so, it's not a good look for you when you're not on preseason, but obviously, they don't know the whole story. Now, you know, I guess hindsight. Well, now we know that you were, you were, you know, at the hospital with your child. But I, like I said, at that time, it didn't look good for you because obviously there was, once again, the rumors about you wanting out of Manchester United, that you want to be transferred. And you not being at preseason looks like, oh shit, this guy really wants to not be here. Um, you know, there was also, he did end up playing some preseason matches. Um, and he left early for a preseason game. And and a lot of people highlighted the fact that he left early, not realizing that there was other players that were also leaving the game with him, um, which was just one of those things where it's like, hey, it's a preseason game. We're not going to put you in the game. You can go you can, you can go and go back to the hotel or whatever, wherever the hell they were going to go. Uh, so, but he's the black sheep who gets criticized. <laughs> Once again, the thing is with the media, man, it's Cristiano Ronaldo, so anytime they ha- they can point out, Luke, Cristiano Ronaldo's leaving the match early. Like they're gonna do that. They're just gonna do that, man. Just it comes with, like, you know, you you had this this thing about being on the top of the wave, thing that really made no sense to me. But look, you are the top guy. You are going to be criticized for every little thing that you do because you're the top guy. So Messi, the, the, they. 
Messi get, gets the same thing. Messi gets the same thing. Only difference is that Messi shows up for preseason. So, so that, that's the only thing. Then we move on to Eric Tenha. So, from what Ronaldo is saying, him and Eric Tenha do not have a good relationship. If, for those of you who don't know who Eric Tenha is, he is the coach of Manchester United, manager of Manchester United. Um, they, ha- they don't have a good relationship. Apparently, uh, he doesn't respect Ronaldo, and because of that, Ronaldo doesn't respect him. But then Ronaldo also says this, that he, res- he, he always gives the manager the respect that the fact that they're the manager. That's contradicting. But you know what? Hey, he's the black sheep. Um, but because of that issue, that, that, that conflict of the lack of respect for each other, it, it leads to issues. There was a game in Ma- against Manchester City where Manchester United got completely blown out and they didn't, they didn't put, they didn't bring, they didn't have Ronaldo come in as a substitute because apparently going, according to Eric Tehag, who was like, I have too much respect for him to have his name affiliated with this game. That's what he said. Then on the other side, you go to this Tottenham game and you have, you, you want Ronaldo to come in to play three minutes. Now, that's the thing that I, I really didn't get too much about. Like, I get it if you need Ronaldo, but what the hell is Ronaldo going to do in three minutes? So for me, that, to me, yes, Eric Tenghaw, that was, I think, uh, also a, a bad call on his point because what's, what's the striker going to do in three minutes? Um, unless they're, like, they're set up for, for like a, a free kick or a corner kick, maybe that could be a little bit different, but. I don't. I didn't watch that Tottenham Manchester United game, so I really can't tell you. But I just know the headlines was the fact. The headlines was Ronaldo refused to come go onto the field, and he stormed off the field, which led to him getting suspended uh, for for three days, I believe. Um, but all in all, he feels that he's being betrayed by Manchester United. Um, that they kind of want to push him out of the club, which, to be honest, is maybe something that Manchester United should have done, because I I think. Unfortunately, Ronaldo is going to be a distraction. I think I think Ten Hag was absolutely right to have Ronaldo be on the bench. I completely get that. You know, he he didn't he it, you know he doesn't like this answer, but he did not go to preseason, so he didn't really get a chance to build some chemistry with this team, even though it's not really that new of a team. But I don't know, man. Like he he is hindering a lot of the, a lot of the young players' match side. I'm just going to say that, but um. But yeah, so Manchester United wants him out, and I don't blame him. I really don't blame him, especially probably right now. They probably definitely want him out now. Um, he talks about the Glazers. So for those of you who don't know, do not know about the Glazers, the Glazers are the owners of Manchester United and have been viewed as the sole reason why Manchester United has gone down the poop hole, you know, after the years of Sir Alex, Sir Alex Ferguson left. Um, Ronaldo accuses them of about not caring match, not caring about Manchester United, and um, they don't talk to him, which. Some people may think, why is that important? Well, I mean, if he's your best player, why wouldn't you? T- you're not only your best player, but your most marketable player. Uh, he's the reason why you're getting jersey sales. Um, you might want to talk to him. That's just my thought. That's all I got to say about that part. But yeah, the Glazers, obviously, no one likes him. Nobody likes him. I mean, no one likes the Glazers. I think that everybody can agree on that. The Glazers suck. Um, but moving on to the next thing. And then, so the clubs. So, from what we were being told was that there was actually nobody interested in Cristiano Ronaldo. I find that a little hard to believe because the fact is that, like, even at Ronaldo's age, he can still score goals. And so for me, like, 
why wouldn't you want the opportunity? And also he brings marketing side. He's going to, he's going to buy, you know, he's going to sell jerseys. So as far as that goes, I think that there was a level, there was some clubs that were interested in Ronaldo. The issue was that they weren't going to pay Manchester United the money that they were hoping they could get from Ronaldo. Once again, we're talking about a 37 year old Ronaldo. Um, yeah, a 37 year old Ronaldo who, who doesn't press. Um, so yeah, you're, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not getting a lot of money for him. You're, you're, you'll get something, but you're not, you're, you're definitely not going to come out. Uh, you're not going to profit off of, of his sale because at this point, he, unfortunately, he is at the tail end of his career. Um, he, like he's more closer to the end of his career than he is at, <laughs> at the beginning of his career. So yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to get a lot of money for Ronaldo. Um, at this point, you got to take what you can get for him. So I'm 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 not shocked by the that that there were there were clubs to offer. I, I believe Napoli was a club that was interested in him. Sporting was a club that was interested in him. Uh, so there was clubs that were interested. Once again, I just don't think the money was there that Manchester United wanted. Um, there was a possible opportunity for him to go play in Saudi Arabia. Apparently, it was a huge, massive deal. Um, Rao declined it because I think at the end of it all. One of the reasons why he declined those offers is because he does love Manchester United. You know, it, it's like it's weird. Uh, kind of, Edward kind of ex- described it at one point, like as as frustrating as as Manchester United can be for him, he still he still loves Manchester United. That's that's just the way it is for him. And so, I think the big issue is just the fact that he does love Manchester United. This is really where he came out, like where Ronaldo really got his name put out there. Yes, he was, he was discovered as sporting, but Manchester United was what really when Cristiano Ronaldo became Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and so there's always going to be that, that connection with him and that club. And I think he generally really wanted to be in this club and, you know, put them back on track. Um, the issue is just that this club is rough. Like this, the, the, there's so many things that need to be fixed before this club could ever be competitive ever again. And it's not even so much on the players. It's so much on the structural side. Like, I think overall, it is just everything's wrong in the structural. Just upstairs, like front office guys, like the culture in Manchester United is just not the same culture as it was back in the day. Um, which is crazy to think that back in the day, we're talking about the 2000s. So, yeah, Manchester United hasn't been the same since. Uh, definitely since Sir Alex Ferguson left. Um, and so, um, so that's the big issue. That's really the big issue is that the club hasn't really had any sturdy, any sense of stability in such a long time. And so, but I mean, I'll, I'll give props to Ronaldo. Yes, he does love Manchester United. You can see it in in his when he talks about about the fans and and his love for Manchester United, but. It's just I don't think that love is strong enough for him to stay. Um, and and you know as we kind of go towards the tail end of this interview, he talks about Portugal's World Cup hopes. He's excited about about this Portuguese team. He believes that this is a great group of players, good combination of youth and experience. Um, as far as his thoughts on the controversy about Qatar, he he says he kind of just doesn't care about it anymore. You know, what's done is done. He just wants to focus on the game. You know, if they, if they, if, you know, they should have took care of that, which I mean, I feel like everybody feels the same way, which 
is at this point we we are where we are. Obviously, if they wanted to correct this, they should have done it a long time ago. Um, but he just wants to focus on the game and focus on Portugal. Um, and then this is where Pierce Morgan he just full on like I mean smooches on on Ronaldo's on, on Ronaldo's booty cheek here. Um, he talks about how the setup for the final says Portugal, Argentina, Messi scores two, you score two, and then Ronaldo scores you. The winner in the 94th minute off a header. Portugal wins the World Cup. And Ronaldo starts laughing at it because he's like, that's not fucking happening. <laughs> he's like, that, that's too good of a uh, too good of a thing to happen. Then he, he goes on this whole thing about um if Portugal he, he kind of says if Portugal wins the World Cup, if if he's able to lift the World Cup, he'll he'll retire. Like, that's it. Which I mean, I think you can say the same thing for Messi. I mean, like what is left for them to prove? And, you know, if Messi wins the World Cup, Ronaldo, this is the la- this is their last World Cup. They both said it. Ronaldo said it. Like this is possible, more likely to be his last World Cup. Like the next next World Cup would be forty one. So I mean, like, yeah, this is definitely probably his last World Cup. And so, I mean, I who, who would I think at this point these guys have accomplished a lot. That you know, if they were to win the World Cup, I mean, what else is left to prove? I mean, they're done. They did everything. Um. And, and, you know, obviously, because they talked about Argentina, he talks about Messi. You know, asked him about Messi and his thoughts on Messi. They're like, is there a relationship between him and Messi? Uh, Ronaldo pretty much says there's not really a real relationship between them. They're not like best friends or anything like that, but there is a respect towards each other. Um, he, he talks about how, how amazing Messi is. Like, you know, he's magical the way he was describing him, uh, the way he, what he said about him. But, uh, and he said he would love to have dinner with him. So, you know, it's just, and I think that's what, honestly, if people want to say that these two are like bitter rivals and they don't like each other. In all reality, I'm pretty sure they both respect each other's game. I mean, they're two of the, they're literally the two best players in the world. So, I mean, like, they've all both achieved huge accolades. They both won the Ballon d'Or multiple times. They both won Champions League multiple times. They both won league titles multiple times. So, like, these guys have accomplished a lot in their careers. So, and they've always been together. You know, they've always been in the discussion for who's going to win the ball or who's going to, you know, it's always been those two. So, yeah, I mean, of course it's going to be respect for each other. They're, they battle against each other almost every year. Well, they, after, after he left La Liga, not so much, but yeah, there's a, there's a mutual respect between the two. I mean, that's, that's, it's, and it's fine. You know, they don't have to hate each other. Um, some of the small things that I took away from, also from this interview was um, how he would love to see Arsenal win the Premier League. That's just a little personal one for me. I thought that was nice of him to say that. I think he's also saying that because Chris Morgan is a is an Arsenal fan. Um, that Ars- uh, I mean, you know, realistically, Ronaldo believes he can play two more seasons. He thinks he can play till he's forty. Um, which I mean, that's probably for him. That's fair to say. I think he uh, he he takes good care of himself. I I can actually believe that. Um. He had to mention Tom Brady because obviously, if you guys don't know, Tom Brady went to go watch a Manchester United game. They talked. Ronaldo and Tom Brady, they talked to each other. I believe Ronaldo scored, scored a goal. I forget. I don't know if he scored a hat trick or not, but, um, he, you know, he scored a goal. I know for sure. And they talked. And then next thing you know, so before that game, Tom Brady already retired. 
And then after that, after, literally after talking to Ronaldo, he announces that he he's he's coming he's coming out of retirement. He's coming back to play another season in the NFL. So I like that they talked talked about that because we made a lot of we a lot of us made jokes about about that whole thing. Um, and then kind of like what does what does he think what does Ronaldo want to do after after his career is over? He's talking about how he wants to talk, uh, which I mean he he literally did a whole ninety minute interview, but um. He said he wants to be like a public speaker, I guess. Um, I don't know if that means that he wants to be an analyst or some shit. Um, but he also would like to do a book. He was talking about this, this author that he got to talk to like, you know, um, talk to him about, talk to him. And he made this book about 12, 12 rules or what? Well, I don't, know, I, I don't, I don't read. Um, but, but yeah, he, he would, he would like to maybe do a book one day. And so, yeah. That was that was the interview. My thoughts on it was honestly, was it really groundbreaking? Not really. I don't think it was. Um, you know, obviously, I I think from the the snippets that they previewed this interview with was basically just that was the the real gritty, uncensored stuff. I guess you can say. Um, I mean. <sighs> Like I said, we all knew that the relationship between him and Manchester United were bad. Uh, the relationship between him and Ten Hag was obviously not that good between the both of them. So I, I don't, I don't think that there was nothing really jaw dropping about this interview that surprised anybody. That I think, I think he stated something that we all knew, which was Manchester United hasn't been the same club since Alex Ferguson left. I think he gave context to why he didn't participate in the preseason. So I get that part. Um, but aside from that, I don't think I feel, I honestly feel like I really didn't benefit from anything from this interview. Um, besides just seeing Pierce Morgan just kiss the living shit out of Ronaldo's ass. I don't really think like, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't recommend the interview to anybody. Like, I don't think this was like a groundbreaking interview in, in any sort of way. Um, but hey, you know, Ronaldo got out of his chest. Um, Magic Knight is probably going to release him because I don't think they're going to once again, I don't think they're going to get offers that they want. I just don't. And so, yeah, so that was the interview with uh, with Pierce Morgan. This, yeah, like I said, I don't think that he said anything that really shocked me as far as Manchester United's structure goes, but it happened. That's all I got to say. Um, it was entertaining. I got some great comical material from it, that's for sure. Um, the black sheep. <laughs> that's just, I ain't gonna get over that one. I think that that was just the dumbest fucking thing I ever heard him saying. I'm the black sheep. Uh, fuck you, Ronaldo, for that one. Um, but hey, you know what? He got out of his chest. Um, and we'll see what's what's the aftermath of this interview from them. So, all right, man. So we're gonna go ahead and take a break. Um, after the break, you'll be hearing my Thursday recap of. The, of the World Cup matches from Thursday all the way till Thursday. And then after that, you'll hear me and Paul Paul's uh, preview for the England versus USA game that will be on Friday when this episode drops. Um, they should, they should, depending on what time you're listening to this episode on Friday, either have already played or haven't played yet. So hopefully, hopefully you got this episode pretty early. So, all right. So we're going to go ahead and take a break. And then we'll get going with uh, the World Cup recap. 
Let me tell you guys about Belly Up Sports. Belly Up Sports is the internet sports bar. Go ahead and check out the website, www.bellyupsports.com, to read some great articles from great writers all across the country, from hockey, baseball, golf, soccer, you name it. Belly Up Sports is the premier, not your average, website. All right, this World Cup recap is brought to you by True Classic. This brand makes T-shirts that actually fit. Not to mention, super soft. When you're jacked, find the right t-shirt can be incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are too tight in all the wrong places or way too big and boxy, but not True Classic. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men get their fit on an affordable price. Our listeners get access to the absolute best deal they offer for a limited time only. Get 25% off with the code BELLYUPFANTASY at trueclassic.com. Guys, you are wearing the wrong clothes. Time to level up. Highlight your greatest asset with a t-shirt you can confidently throw on anytime. It's about time you get your fit together. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com with code BELLYUPFANTASY. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with the code BELLYUPFANTASY. Strengthen your core wardrobe. With True Classic today. True Classic. Look good. Feel good. All right, man. So we're going to go ahead and look at all these matches here in the group stages for the first set of the three group matches. All right. Starting off at Group A, we got Qatar losing to Ecuador 2 to nothing. Qatar becomes, as recently as I know, the first country, the first host country, to be more accurate, to lose their opener. Now, I didn't say win. I said lose. Um, so usually, you know, home field advantage, that's usually the thing, but Qatar just didn't look good. Props to Ecuador. Looks good on my, on my take when I was talking at, on the corner booth about Ecuador. But yeah, they look perform, uh, solid. Enter, enter Valencia. What a performance from him. Uh, but way to go. Uh, so Ecuador takes the opener two to nothing. Going, continuing on with group A, Netherlands handled their business against Senegal two nothing. Um, I, I think. The fact that Sadio Mane is not there for Senegal was very clear. There was not really a, a, a real for sure answer at the attack. Um, and the Dutch national team, um, hand up. I, I forgot. I did not know that Van Gaal was officially, uh, back. Um, so that's a huge, that makes a huge difference as far as what Netherlands can do. Do I, I still feel the same way that I feel of not having them in my top five, but Van Gaal does definitely improve their odds in my opinion. Now, going to Group B, England handles their business against the team they're supposed to be, which is Ron, 6-2. You're talking about a win that was very needed for them. You're talking about, like, Alabama taking on. And I I really don't want to be disrespectful to to Ron in any way, but this is essentially a tune-up game for England. Boost their confidence, score a lot of goals, and they're able to go in to their next game, which, unfortunately, will be against the U.S. with a lot of confidence. On the other side, um, USA tie with Wales one to one. If you were to have told me before the World Cup that USA was going to draw with Wales, I would have been very okay with it because I, for one, I, in my when I was doing my projections for the for my prediction of the World Cup, I did see USA drawing with Wales. But when you watch this game, it definitely felt like a loss. It was it seemed like the US was the better team in this game. Uh, it was a tale of two halves, man. The USA looked good in the first half and then fell apart in the second half. I think 
Greg, this is obviously a Greg Berhalter thing, which is you, when you have the lead, come on, put more points on. We need to take more advantage, be more, take more. Uh, what's the what's the word that I want to use here? But advantageous, be more advantageous when you have these leads. You had their number in the first half. You should have came out with at least another, at least two goals in the first half to to definitely get some more confidence because it literally went down to a costly penalty. Even as bad as the U.S. was was playing in the second half, they were still keeping keeping a goose egg on on Wales. And if it wasn't for a very costly penalty for Walker Zimmerman, um, this game could have been a one nothing uh, win. But like I said, it it all came down to a penalty to decide the the point, which. It's not over for USA, but obviously um, going into a game against a very confident England game, England team um, is going to be a tough, uh, tough task to follow, to come up for Black Friday. But hey, they're still in it. There's, they're, you know, they love being the underdog, and we'll get to it. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it in our preview with Paul M. Banks. Uh, but that is Group B. Group C, man, first upset of the tournament: uh, Saudi Arabia beats Argentina two to one. Um, I'm sure none of y'all watched this game because of the fact that this was at four in the morning, but or four in the morning, you know, Central Time. But yeah, Saudi Arabia was able to get uh, a surprise victory. I think the other thing that kind of came costly was just the timing of Argentina's attack. A lot of they did score goals. Unfortunately, they were called back for offside. So I think that's something that they have to work on. But I, I don't don't think that Argentina is is bad or in, in any way. I still think they're a really good team. So we'll see how they respond in their next game. And the other Group C game was Mexico and Poland drawing nil-nil. Uh, props to Guillermo Ochoa, man. He stepped up big time for for, <laughs> for Mexico at a moment where it looked like it could have been easily a one nothing uh, game for Poland as he as he steps up and, and is the, the cheat code of a goalkeeper that he is when it comes to the World Cup and makes a big save to secure a point for Mexico. And going on to Group D, Denmark and Tunisia draw nil-nil. <coughs> Um, I think two very con- highly contested, two highly contested teams going up against each other. Um, Denmark is a team that I, I, I view as a dark horse, and I still believe that uh, still to this day. But yeah, Tunisia definitely brought it. Props to Tunisia, man. They're, they're, they were really good about it. And the final Group D match was France taking on Australia, which they won four to one. Little man, France is aside with the injuries, France is still a very legitimate squad. It just on their Jeff depth chart alone, they have enough to fit fill out three clubs, three teams to play in this World Cup and, and compete very well. So France, still a very strong team. Um, I, I am very confident that I think they're going to come out of the group. I think the World Cup winner curse does not continue with, with, with France, and I think France proved it today. I mean, granted, it was Australia, uh, but I think that France is still going to have, have what it takes to, to get out of the group. Um, going into Group E, Japan ends up upsetting Germany. Um, look, man, I don't underestimate Japan. Japan's a really good squad. Uh, Germany, there is clearly some issues in the center back position for them, but I mean, still, they had a very solid performance. Definitely probably could have put away a little bit more goals than, than they should have, but Japan just pure class all the way through on the field and off the field. So if you guys don't know about Japan, which is super cool about how, about their culture is, the fans out of the game, they cleaned the stadium. They like, they had like the trash bags and they went and picked up like even the German side. They cleaned the stadium out before they left. 
Um, and also, it's a real cool thing because the Japanese national team as well cleans out their lockers. They, it's an amazing culture. Japan is just so cool, man. It's their jerseys are cool. Their culture overall is fucking awesome. I love to see. That's one of the things I love about the World Cup is I know they're gonna highlight Japan because of cool things that they do like this. All right, and the other group E match, which was Spain dominating. I mean, dominated against Costa Rica, seven to nothing. This is the reason why me and Edward view uh, Spain as our number two team in our top five, uh, our top five teams to win the World Cup. Uh, they're just very strong. Luis Enrique, amazing coach. Um, and I think it also benefited that they took on Costa Rica because Costa Rica is, is, is just not that team anymore from back in 2014, uh, the team that made it all the way to the semifinal. They're just not that team anymore. Um, and, and they just, they really made them look really bad in, in this game, but it was expected. All right, man. Group F, Morocco and Croatia draw nil-nil. Uh, the thing with Group F is I think a lot of people feel Belgium will win the group. The question mark is who's coming out of that group with them, and Morocco and Croatia just show how tight that, that battle for number two is going to be. I mean, who knows? Bel Belgium might end up having to fight for two. We don't know because going into that Group F game, that, that game, Belgium ends up beating Canada just one to nothing. So Canada, they came to fight. Obviously, this is their first World Cup in a long time. So they don't want to get out. They want to get out of the group. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, they still haven't scored a goal. Uh, but Belgium comes in. Like I said, this is the last of this gener of this golden generation of Belgian players. Obviously, they don't want to come out empty handed. Um, they've been ranked number one for quite a long time in the, in the FIFA rankings. So Belgium wants to get out of this group. So we'll see what how they do in the second game. All right, moving on to well Thursday today, Group G. All right, man, Switzerland beats Cameroon one to nothing. Uh, some like, I, once again these these matchups are a little bit tighter. Group G really fun group in my opinion, but yeah, Switzerland ends up taking getting the getting the three points as they beat Switzerland one to nothing. That was awkward. And in the last Group G match, which is Brazil beating Serbia 2-0. Serbia, I'm going to applaud you. I'm going to applaud you because that was just a spectacular performance defensively. Um, unfortunately, it was it was bound to happen that Brazil was going to find the goal. Um, and, and props to Richarlison. Look, I hate Tottenham. Everybody knows that. I fucking hate Tottenham. But Richarlison is an amazing player. I'm never going to take that away from him. Do I think it's boneheaded that he went to Tottenham? Of course. But as a player, the dude's phenomenal. He scores the, the opening goal for, for Brazil and then scores an amazing bicycle kick to get that second goal and take Brazil on to the next game, to their next group game. There's going to be some question marks now. You know, Neymar had, had, a, had an ankle injury. We'll see how, how he looks for that next game, if he plays that next game. But Brazil looking very strong, looked good defensively. Midfield was good. The attack, there was some moments, but I think it, the, the game was, so let's see how, how, how long can Serbia last defending the way they were playing, which once again, props to Serbia, amazing performance from them. They're the dark horse team that I picked in, in, in name FC, so hopefully they continue to live up to that. And the final group, Group H, Uruguay and South Korea draw a nil-nil. I think this is going to be a really fun group to see who comes out, uh, who comes out of this group, but yeah, great battle. That's what you want to see is two teams that I think could be labeled dark horses as well, uh, battling it out. 
So that and honestly, that could be a very crucial, crucial uh, decision. That that point could be very crucial for both those teams at some point as we go further into the group stages. And the last game that concluded today on Thanksgiving, Happy Thanksgiving, by the way, is Portugal beating Ghana three to two. This game, the way Portugal played, was beautiful. The, the attack was just amazing to me. I do think Lau should be starting from here on out because he was just overall brilliant overall from the attack of Portugal. Ronaldo scores a penalty, now becomes one of the few players in World Cup history to score in five different World Cups. Just another thing to add on to this legacy of Cristiano Ronaldo as he's going to become a free agent. After, yes, he's a free agent now. He, he's now. Yep, as we, as you know, obviously I touched up on his interview about Piers Morgan. Um, Manchester United let him go. So he is now a free agent. We'll talk about that next episode, uh, for sure. But, but yeah, so Portugal almost, almost gave it away, man. Almost gave it away. Ghana, that team has a lot of fight in them. They're not going to bow out that easily. Um, yeah, this was a, this was a really good game. Diogo, oh my God, almost cost the game. Almost cost. Took the three points away from from Portugal with a boneheaded decision. Luckily, they were able to bounce back to prevent them from getting the draw. They ended up winning the game three to two. But that is the matches so far in the World Cup. Next, well, tomorrow when when this episode drops, you will have you will have at four a.m. Group B: Wales versus Iran. Then then at seven a.m. Central Time, obviously, Qatar versus Senegal. At 10 a.m., Netherlands versus Ecuador, and the the game, the last game for that day, will be England versus USA. You know, all eyes are watching on that one. Stay tuned, man. Uh, our we're gonna pre. I'm I'm actually gonna preview that with Paul and Banks after I'm done with players of the week. Players of the week is brought to you by In the Clutch. In the Clutch is an amazing apparel company partnered with the players' associations of Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball and the National Basketball Association. They have amazing designs, really great shirts, great quality. I really love them. Um, got me a Jeremy Pena shirt. Got me a Kyle Tucker shirt. Got me a Football is Life shirt, even though I don't watch Ted Lasso, but I love the statement. Um, great shirts, great price. Overall, I'm really happy with what England Clutch has to offer. And they have it across all teams in baseball. Specifically players, obviously, there's nothing... Nothing branded with the Astros logo or anything like that because it's affiliated with the Players Association, not MLB, not MLS, not not the NBA. It's the players first. So it, that, and that's the cool part. It, it's for the players. So if you use our code insert name at checkout, you'll save yourself ten percent off your purchase. So thank you again in the clutch for being our presenting sponsor for Players of the Week. All right, Edwards Player of the Week this week is the man that scored two goals and one of them being. A bicycle kick, so you know he's going to pick this guy, and that is Richarlson from Brazil and Tottenham. Um, that is Edwards' pick for scoring two goals in Brazil's 2-0 victory against Serbia. And my player of the week, I am unfortunately going to Mexico, as I am picking Guillermo Ochoa, Memo Ochoa, or the Great Wall of Mexico, as I like to call him, uh, for just having another stellar performance as a goalkeeper. The man is a fucking cheat code in the World Cup. Don't believe me? Go ahead and just check, check out tech. Just hashtag Memo Ochoa and just see what everyone thinks about him. But yeah, amazing. So congratulations to Richardson and Memo Ochoa for being our Players of the Week. Once again, thank you for In the Clutch 
for being our presenting partner. Use that code, insert name at checkout to save 10% off your purchase. Now I'm going to go ahead and lead to our preview of USA versus England with Mr. Paul M. Banks. guys man we have a a friend of the show on with us to talk about this england usa match uh good friend of of the show like i said uh part of the extra time podcast which you know strictly talks about premier league i'm sure you guys want to touch world cup at some point but um it's strictly premier league so you guys are kind of on a vacation right now um he is the creator and founder i guess that's the same thing of the sportsbank.net it sounds cooler when you get give yourself two titles i'm just going to give it to you and also the author of Transatlantic Passage, How the English Premier League Redefined Soccer in America. Good friend of the show, Mr. Paul M. Banks. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of accolades. I enjoy that. That's, like, that's a good intro. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, real sick flex, as I say all that. I'm like, this dude wrote a fucking book. Uh, hey, by, by the way, thank you, by, thank you for sending me the book. I actually am reading it. I know Edward shits on me because I don't read. Um, but yeah, I've actually first time I read a book. So, oh, uh, well, just let me know later what you think of it when you get into it. Um, uh, this is part of my uh, junket, I guess, my little circuit. Um, thus, all the stars lined up. You know, people are going to watch the World Cup. They're going to see there's two flags, England and the United States, right next to each other on the screen on the field. That's the cover of my book. So, you know, I went out there and hustled and. Um, Trying to do as many shows as I can to, uh, you know, get the word out there. Yeah, I mean, I bet you you're right now a very busy man, especially in, in your part of Chicago, because uh, of the World Cup coverage. I mean, it's just I'm, you're 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 the expert at this point, so, so I'm sure you're really enjoy- I'm really I'm sure you're enjoying it, but at the same time, you're like, man, I got all this <laughs> piling on to uh, this, these couple of weeks. But yeah, I mean, nonetheless, super fun. Also check out the, uh, the sportsbank.net, man. Uh, great articles that are being written over there. Um, I, I believe Stuart actually gave me a shout out for using the term cheat code when it came to Robert Lewandowski. So that that's cool. <laughs> I made it. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, that's uh, today's like, um, well, first of all, like you said about overload and stuff and, you know, things in there. I mean, that's crazy that this is, you know, if you're a college sports guy, it's overlap season. Um, if you're a pro sports person, you've got three of the four big ones all going at the same time. And then now you stuff a little cup in, it's like a Christmas goose or a Christmas sausage and you just throw some more ingredients in. It's pretty crazy. But um, today was um, today was what I called the Chicago Soccer Fan Cup. Where the, if you like soccer and you live in Chicago, you probably root for one of these two teams cup. And that was Mexico versus Poland. And, um, you know, that, yeah, that's kind of like, I always said, Mexico is Chicago's home soccer team and Poland is probably number two. I can totally vouch for that because I was literally the only in a little blip of, of white in the 2019 gold cup final. So I could definitely, definitely speak on that part. Um, but yeah, man, obviously England versus USA. This is the big game that's coming here on Black Friday. I mean, there's other games, but who, who, who fucking cares about that shit? 
Yeah, uh, of course. It's America. Uh, but before we talk about this, this preview for the England versus USA game is brought to you by our good friends at Manscaped. Tis the season for clean balls. Follow. Oh my God, I'm not doing that. Our friends at Manscaped <laughs> are helping you, you clear your driveway for safe travels this holiday season from stocking stuffers to el- white elephants. Manscaped's products are the top of every wish list. Grab some crop mops for your pops or the body buffer for the holiday lover. <laughs> Win this year's white elephant gift and help all the men in your life go from eggnog to nice hog this December by going to manscaped.com using the code Belly Up Fantasy for 20% plus free shipping. Manscaped is one stop for one stop shop for all holiday needs. They have the perfect gift in platinum package 4.0. Plus loads of little presents, perfect for stocking stuffers. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BellyUpFantasy at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use code BellyUpFantasy, Manscaped, for the perfect gift that will be the holiday's biggest hits. Sorry, I had to whore myself out right now. Gotta keep the lights on, man. Gotta pay the bills. Exactly. But yeah, man. England, USA, man. Both of them. Well, I mean, England coming off of a huge win against Iran, kind of what you need, especially with all the criticism that that, that that national team has been receiving. And honestly, some of the things that you could be saying about England can also be thrown out with USA. Obviously, there's heavy criticism towards the manager with Gareth Southgate and Greg Perlhalter. Uh, question marks in the in the call-ups uh, for these past na- for these two national teams. Um, but I mean, in the end of it all, these guys got to play. And of course, I mean. Like I said, England goes ahead and takes care of business against Iran. I, I believe the score was six to two, if I if I'm not mistaken. And then, Correct. And then the U.S. goes into a one-one draw against Wales. For a lot of people, feel like it's a loss. I honestly, when I was doing my projections for the World Cup, picking my World Cup winner, I did feel like that that was going to be a draw anyway. So it sucked, especially the way it went down because of a, a costly penalty, but. You get points, and I mean, yes, you're going up a tall task against England, but I mean, when you're going into this game, you know, USA underdog, which I think is a, a situation where they're used to. England, should they be going in feeling confident, or should they not underestimate this U.S. team? Yeah, I think um, for the U.S., that was a draw that felt like a loss. For Wales, it was a draw that felt like a win. For England, um, that was just a straight-up ass-kicking through and through. Uh, Gareth Southgate knows that he has to find something to improve upon. So I, I did see what he had to say about it afterwards. Uh, in terms of criticizing, um, he was very happy about his attack. He was not happy about his defense. So I would say that's kind of where you start in terms of like the X's and O's, the matchups here. Um, as a Manchester United fan, it's time for me to lay into Harry Maguire. Why? Gareth Southgate loves him. I don't know. Um, McGuire's been injury riddled. He's been out of form. Southgate loves him. Started him. Um, he's questionable now, I believe. Maybe a doubt. I don't know. Uh, Southgate just said he has an illness. That's why McGuire left in the 70th minute. And I think if you are America, that is what you do. And that if, if you are England, that's what you worry about. You worry about the Americans could going straight up the spine of the defense and going right up the field. That's that's what I think is, is going to set this up. I if I was Berhalter, um, I would I would go all out attack. I would not sit back and wait to hit him on the counter or anything. And that if I was Southgate, that's what I'd be worried about. The move. No, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think oh, 
from the attack, what you saw with England, they were just, I mean, they were just brilliant. And I mean, some people can probably say it's because they're going up against Iran. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some criticism towards FIFA because of the whole, what happened with the goalkeeper probably should have been taken out of the game. It's clearly, it was obvious that he was concussed. It's something that obviously you and me are, are very familiar with, especially here in the U.S. with, with the NFL. Right. Um, yeah, FIFA needs to kind of, I guess, grow a pair and just tell the player that he has to come to get out of the field. I, I, I mean, I get that these guys want to stay and play. It's the World Cup, but I mean, you know, safety first. But, um, but yeah, I mean, regardless, England did what they were supposed to do. They were, they beat the team they're supposed to beat. Um, I don't necessarily think that the U.S. were supposed to beat Wales. I think that they were fairly even. Yes, the U.S. was definitely the better team on the field. They just, it was just one accident, but the attack was very lacklustering for me for the U.S. Uh, and, and what are your thoughts on that part as far as like the U.S. attack? You did say that it, the, the goal is to attack that, that, that defense in, of England. But I mean, there was some moments where you felt that that U.S. attack was a bit lackluster. It was a lot lackluster, and I think the reason we're we're upset about what happened. I think before kickoff, you say to you, you would say to us, "Oh, you get a point against Wales, great." Then you dominate the first half. You only have one goal to show for it, but okay, fine. They didn't really play to win in the second half. Was what I saw. I saw they played to hold. I saw they didn't. They didn't go try and get that second goal and such shit. I think they kind of got complacent. And that is where I think the problem with the attack was. Um, obviously, the elephant in the room is the substitutes. But Gio Reyna, I've talked to soccer experts in America who believe Gio Reyna could be the second coming someday. That he could be even like, like Lusick is Captain America. Lusick could be the greatest American ever. I know people that think down the line, Reyna could surpass him. And we don't know. Reyna said he was 100% fit. Berhalter said there was tightness. There was a precaution. Um, so they held him out being ultra, ultra conservative. Maybe you do that because Reyna does have an injury history. Maybe not. Because those subs did not rate. Um, and you really didn't see all that the United States had to offer in the final third. So were they holding back? I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big Berhalter fan. So... I have to. I have to. I would agree with you. That's what happened. That's where that match was lost. Yeah, I think I've I've said it from from like when they call when they did this call up. I'm I actually am okay with the call up. The only two ones that I really have problems with is Christian Roldan and and Aaron Long. But aside from that, I'm I'm totally fine with this with this roster. But I I, I kept saying it. The problem is is that Greg Berhalter believes thoroughly through his system. Which I mean, if you're talking about national teams. Everybody knows it's the players that dictate your system, not not the other way around. If you want to do that, go be a club manager. Don't 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 be a manager of a national team. Uh, but I, I said it, Halter is going to be the reason why uh, the U.S. do not do well in the World Cup. If if the U.S. does pretty well, it's it's honestly because the players the players end up saying, "F it, uh, we're taking charge of this game. We're going to change it up." Because I mean, with the speed that these guys that the that the front has with Christian Pulisic, with Timothy Weah. Um, even Brendan Aronson with the guy with the burst that these guys provide, the counterattack should be amazing. And that was the one of the things that I couldn't stand when I was watching is just there was no real buildup when it came to the counterattacks. It looked like they were just kind of how you said. It. I think that they just wanted to play for the draw. They played very conservative in the second half. Um, the only real takeaway from that game that I was I at least enjoyed was defense did actually look really good. I liked what I saw from the defense. Tim Ream surprised me, but I guess I shouldn't be surprised by him because. He is currently playing. He is actually a regular starter in the Premier League. But if anything, I'm very confident 
in the back line? Yeah, I would say the defense played pretty well. Uh, I'd say the problems of the United States not adjusting in the second half to what Wales decided to do is on Berhalter. Obviously, the Walker-Zimmerman gap was terrible to set up the penalty, and I think he had a bad game. But other than that, um, I, I really can't complain about how they performed there. And it's it would be a shame because you just don't know. Like, it, could there have been a different sub that would have made the difference in the second half? And would that have been enough? Um, the best thing, uh, like I, I mean, I agree with you. The backline played pretty well, and now you have to think about like if you get a stalemate here, is that a victory for you? Because then you've got two points heading into what'll be the easiest group game that you have left. We know the history. We know that when the U.S. takes a point from their first group stage game, they do advance. So, um, I guess maybe the player to watch, uh, you know, in terms of defense, might be a Sergio Dest. Um, obviously, there's been some issues with him um, on the club level, and he's moved on, which has worked out for him, I guess. So we'll see what he, he's got something to prove. Maybe he can really, you know, be a difference maker. Um, I, I like that. I really like what you said there about um, players just get to like effort. Let's just play well. Let's just do what we do. I mean, I don't know. I mean, when you're the head coach and you get hired at a time when your brother is the third or fourth highest ranking man in the U.S. Soccer Federation. I'm just not going to believe in you. And so far, he hasn't really done anything to prove me wrong, to, to, to make me want to believe in him more. Yeah, I, I, I've been anti-Greg Perhalter for like the longest. Stella. And, uh, oh, hey, Stella. <laughs> See, I said Greg Berhalter, so Stella is like, oh my God, that system hire, she got really angry. <laughs> Stella is, is quite the soccer whiz over here. Um, yeah, no, yeah, kind of going back with Greg Berhalter. Like I said, this guy will be the issue. And I, I've, on the other side, when you talk about the managers, I know that Southgate has received some criticism. And weirdly enough, I am kind of a Southgate guy. I don't know. I like, I kind of like how he's, what he's done with England. Maybe recently it hasn't looked good, but I mean, obviously made it to the semifinal in the last World Cup, made it to the final in the Euro. I've seen progression through England. And I mean, the talent that he has, I'm, it, it was, I personally would have probably preferred Tamori over, over, uh, Harry Maguire. But I mean, it's, it's also still a really strong call up that they, that England has. It's a very promising, especially when you look at the, the guys that scored the goals for England in, in Iran, which I mean, granted, probably should take it with a grain of salt because it was Iran. But I mean, it was Jude Bellingham and, and Saka that scored the goals that, that were, you know, at least the initial scores for, for England, uh, but I, I think that there is a lot of confidence. I feel like there's not that much, many weak spots in England right now, and I mean they, they they literally got to do what Alabama does in the beginning of the season, which is beat the living shit out of a really bad team. Um, and, right. And so they come in, they're coming in with confidence right now. Um, U.S. I mean they're they're gonna have to do something within the locker room to kind of rally together. Because uh, like I said, it, it's gonna go to, down to the fact that. If they win, it's not because of Greg Berhalter. <laughs> yeah, you know, I um, I would, I, I, I've, I've argued this point in, in doing shows. Um, I've said, if there's a hottest seat in all the sports, club, country, any sport, all around the world, I would say it's being the England national team manager because you've got that like insane media with like that crazy tabloid press, and there's always criticism, and you know, you got to be a special person to do it. 
Um, Roy Hodgson, you know, th- those disasters, the losing to Iceland in the Euro 2016, 2014, you had that they were like sent home from that World Cup before they barely even like, I heard Ian Dark say on a telecast, is like, they were home before the postcards. And um, so you got that. Uh, Southgate has come in and we have to say, I, I, I love, the thing I love about Southgate said, we got to make a semi, otherwise it's... And it's like, okay, you made a semi, then you made a final where mm, I don't know how I feel about some of his decisions in that penalty shootout or how I handled that game, but nevertheless, you made a semi, then you made a final, a final that makes us a shootout. Now, end the drought, bring home the trophy, 56 years of hurt, it's coming home, blah, 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 come on, England, all that good stuff. Like, you can do that. Like, I just... I hope they give, like, if this doesn't work out, I hope they give them time. Like, if they only reach the quarterfinals, I hope they don't look into trying to replace them. Um, if they make the semis, I think that's a good showing. Obviously, you know, they want to win it all, but we'll see. Um, I'm kind of with you. I guess I am a Southgate guy to some extent. And certainly he's got a, a major, major advantage over Verhalter here. But what's interesting, I think, about these two these two teams is that there is an element of being allergic to success. There's, there's a problem of handling prosperity and, and finishing the deal. I can totally see that part. All right. So when looking at England, what would you say is their, what is their strongest, what's their strongest point? And I, I mean, you kind of touched up on the back line, but what specifically in that back line do you think is their weakness? Well, I think McGuire is their weakness. Um, you know, I, I do think, um, I, I don't know about, you know, I do, I still kind of think that maybe Aaron Ramsdale is number one, but I'm, I don't make the call on that. You know, I, I think the weakness really is kind of the psychological, the, the weight, the heaviness. Like it, it, it's like the reason the Cubs ended the World Series drought is because you just had a group of millennials or Gen Z's or kids who just didn't care and didn't think about it. And, you know, and it was the same thing with the Boston Red Sox. And so they ended there. There's always going to be that, like, there's just that, that mental block. Um, but obviously talent can, can overcome that. And you look at England and I, and I'd say the, the biggest strength is right there in the wingers. Just, oh my God. I mean, you got like Jack Grealish, the first hundred million pound English player, the most expensive English player of all time. And he's not even. Um, one of the first scoring options. Um, there's just, I, I think Harry Kane's going to be fine. I guess his ankle isn't a problem. Um, there's there's so many options in the final third. I, I just don't know. I don't know if um, if, if the US are going to be able to handle it. There's there's a lot of different ways they can come at you. They can get very creative, and there's there's depth and um. It's kind of like Manchester City, like before they got Erling Holland, Manchester City was this team of like of stellar midfielders and wingers and attacking midfielders, and England has that. Yeah, it's weird, it's weird to think when I think of Manchester City, I think there's only like what a few players there that are currently in Manchester City that play for England right now. Because uh, I know Grealish, Calvin, yeah, Grealish, Calvin Phillips, John Stones, Kyle Walker. There's four. I don't think there's a fifth. I forgot about Phillips. 
<laughs> I completely forgot about that guy. It's easy to forget about him because he's never played. So Honestly, as soon as soon as Manchester City went and got Calvin Phillips, I was like, I wonder what happens with Rodri. And then they they extend Rodri. And so I'm just like, okay, well that was just pointless. But yeah, I'm, I forgot he got I forgot he was with Man, uh, with Man City. Uh, I guess you could throw Raheem Sterling in there. I mean, he's not that far away from his time in Manchester City. So there is a lot of chemistry with, with England. Uh, and now going to the other side, what would you say is, I think, I think everybody can agree now the weakness is Greg Berhalter, but what's the biggest strength for the USA? Um, I'd say the biggest strength would probably be midfield. Um, I, I know that's not creative. I know that's a freezing cold take because everyone's kind of said that, but, um, Weston McKinney, Obviously, there's some off the pitch issues. Maybe he wasn't as committed to the program. He seems to have turned that around. Obviously, he's got red, white, and blue hair. So that shows you he's um, as patriotic as they come. Um, Tyler Adams is captain for a reason. I think Tyler Adams, it, it maybe at the stage right now, could be the most finished product um, on this United States national team. The guy who's most complete or most in his prime. Um, Pulisic at his health, if, when he's healthy and fresh, could be that. Um, like I said before about you, Reyna one day. But right now, Tyler Adams. And then, of course, everybody's um, call to be the breakout player of the tournament is Junis Musa. That was like, um, you know, such a celebration when, and for the life of me, I do not know how this works at all. When you pick your international affiliation, the recruiting battle to see who it goes to, but I know that when we got that. That was like a big cause for celebration. So, I think, I think you could probably say we win position by position. England's got the advantage, except in the midfield. I do think we have the advantage there. Yeah, I totally agree with that part. Um, I, I think for me, going into this game, obviously, you know, Burr Halter's logic was the reason why he brought Josh Sargent in was because oh, this guy plays against English players. I don't know about the English players that play for England, but he plays against English players. And so that was his, his logic. Um, do you see Josh Sargent get, get the start on this game or do, do they change things around? Uh, I feel like you have this three headed monster with, with either Brendan Aronson, Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic and Timothy Weah. Like for me, I feel like at this point, maybe you need to have some sort of combination of those, of those four players up front. You know, whether it's Brendan Aronson on the wing, maybe put Christian Pulisic as a false nine and, and just have Gio Reyna out there on the wing or Timothy Weah. Uh, I feel like those three guys, those four guys, just the ones that I named as far as like attacking options could be a little bit more beneficial than, than Josh Sargent or, or Haji Wright. I, I, I'm, I might be intrigued a little bit to see what, what Jesus Ferreira can do. But I mean, the fact that he didn't start the first game, which I thought was shocking, I thought he probably, brought you a different type of attacker, but it didn't happen. But what do you think about what's, what's that front three going to look like? Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest weakness because there's no established. We, we didn't know who was going to be the center forward. Jass Sargent got the call, you know, playing for Norwood City. Sure, I, I get the, the rationale behind that. Um, not on the squad is Ricardo Pepe, who had some moments, you know, during qualifiers and, and friendlies and whatnot. Um, I guess you really got to count on your wings. I mean, you really got to look at uh, Pelusic, you know, setting things up, if not finishing himself. You got to look at Reina now having a big role, stepping up. You have to 
really get, if you're not going to get it from like a, a, a pure strike out and out striker, then you're going to have to get it on the flanks. And I do think the United States have a lot of talent there. I mean, I went on and on about England's talent at that position, but that's a big strength for uh, Stars and Stripes as well. So that's, I think, where the goals have got to come from. I think you need to have dominance in the field. I think you're going to have to have possession. You're going to have to win possession, and you're going to have to use that to set up um, the guys on the wings and on the flanks to really finish the job. All right, man. So the the weird fun fact about England and USA in the World Cup, USA has never lost to England. Which I mean, it's a small handful of sides, but obviously everybody wants to take what they can get. Does it? Does it? Does that streak continue, or does does England choose not to underestimate the underdog of the U.S.? Well, you've got Yorktown seventeen eighty one, New Orleans eighteen fifteen, and now you're going to have Qatar twenty twenty two. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm not picking this. <laughs> <laughs> Great build up though. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, yeah, we'll show them up country. We'll um No, I mean there's an air of condescension in England when and a, a soccer coach has an American accent, maybe a soccer player has an American accent. Maybe they under they do. That that on you're right. You're absolutely right. There is a potential for them to underestimate us, but I've already made the prediction of two one England and that's what I'm sticking. Sorry. No, I mean, I, I get it. Um, I think right now they're at a really high horse right now. And I think, like, like kind of, I said, it's kind of hard to, like, you have to find something to, from that Iran game. Cause I mean, everyone wants to talk about how, you know, what led up to the World Cup, you know, how, you know, they got relegated in the Nations League, which I'm sure everybody values that tournament. And, um, <laughs> and, and so, like, I mean, yeah, Nations England. League and Europa Conference League about equal to each other in importance and relevance. Yeah, hey man, you know, it's the Holy Trinity for Jose Mourinho. Um, <laughs> I need to make a shirt for that. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, for me, when I was looking at this, I this is a game where I think if the U.S. is going to win this game, they have to play in the most CONCACAF fashion that anybody has ever seen before. And I mean, just play purely physical. I think England is a very good physical team. I don't underestimate their physicality in any way. But I think the U.S. has to turn this game super ugly. It, it I think that's the way that they they would ever get a result. I personally feel like a draw could possibly happen. And, and I mean, I think a loss doesn't hurt the U.S., obviously, because their final game, like you said, is is the matchup that you want for your last day in in the in the group stages, which is Iran. But obviously, their eyes are going to be watching what's going on with that Wales Iran game, um, because it's going to dictate how how they got to approach that Iran match. But I feel like a draw is going to happen. I, I think that they're, this one's going to be a battle. Um, but I can see this be I can see this being a, a one one draw. Well, I love that we've. Agreed on, on almost everything on the show. We've been on the same page and kind of agree on everything. But we definitely clash on, well, obviously we clash on our predictions, but I'm saying go balls out, you know, burn the ships, send everybody swashbuckling type football. And you're saying the opposite. You're saying Jose Mourinho style park the bus. 
Oh, I didn't say um, park. I didn't say the park the bus at all. I'm saying go, go take a page from El Salvador and throw some elbows. Oh, oh, oh! Well, when you said get ugly, keep it ugly and yuck it up. That's just what made me think. I, I said, I mean, con- I'm saying go in full conquer cap. If you can, if you can douse Qatar's field with water, go ahead and do it. I mean, turn this game ugly. That's what I mean by by that. <laughs> no, no, I'm with you on that. Throw some bows, you know. <laughs> Mix it up. Oh God, I'm I'm totally with you on that. No, yeah, that's that, what I, that's yeah. exactly what I meant. You know, take a page from El Salvador and Honduras. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I don't, you know, as an Arsenal as an Arsenal fan, I don't I don't want to um open up some old wounds, but I remember when Troy Deeney said something about like, you know, Arsenal players, you just go get up there and take a whack at them. He said like basically like you know, I think that's the because he said like they didn't have enough balls or whatever. You know, during the Wenger years or the later Wenger years, and I'm like, well, I think that might be the approach here. Maybe you do want to really um, get ugly and see if you, you know, because there's always an advantage to that sport. If you get somebody rattled and your acceptable losses, you know, they call it, you know, the goon. You want to be a goon, like a hockey goon, and and because if then if they get if you frustrate them and they get out of their head, then you've already won. Exactly, man. But all right, man. You got USA losing two to one against England. I, I'm gonna call an ugly draw, one uh, one. All in all, this is gonna be an amazing Black Friday. I think it. You know, obviously it's the World Cup. It's weird that we're we're watching the World Cup and it's Thanksgiving. But hey, I don't know. If this, I think as as long as Qatar keeps making this look bad, the U the US is gonna look like smelling like roses coming coming into uh, coming 2026. So, so I mean, it, yeah, I I mean. We could do like a whole show forever, but all the problems. <laughs> gonna be like, hey, at least it wasn't Qatar, <laughs> so, right? At least we didn't, you know, like, oh well, you know, they people just wanted to have basic expressions for human rights, and Qatar's like, no, at least we didn't do that. But I, I keep, I keep telling my, like, I, I, I don't like, I don't like having this this time of year. I like it in the summer. I think it's perfect then. Um, but I keep telling myself, you know, I, I wrote a book. Um, with the England and American flags on the cover, and that match is being played on Black Friday, the number one shopping day of the entire year. So, what's a big Christmas gift? People get books, so maybe that was its me. There you go, man. All right, Paul, thank you for being here. Make sure you guys check out the book Transatlantic Passage: How the English Premier League Redefined Soccer in America. I, I didn't have to write. I didn't have to read this time. <laughs> no, you nailed it. You nailed it, man. Obviously, go ahead and check out the sportsbank.net. Great articles that are being written constantly. He's he's the editor in chief in there. Um, which I'm good God, man, you you're doing a lot of stuff. Uh, but go ahead and check him out, man. Where can the good people find you? Um, yeah. So Paul M. Banks at Paul M. Banks is uh, my Twitter. Um, you know, I'd use that everything, every show I go on, every article I write is posted there. And then of course the sportsbank.net. Uh, Transatlantic Passage, how the, soccer, how the Premier League redefined soccer in America is available on Eckhart's Press. Uh, um, and uh, the third uh, person to chime in here on the podcast, Stella, she has an Instagram that you can follow at Stella the Spaniel Mud. So, actually, no, I don't, my girlfriend runs that one. I don't run that one. But the cat's Instagram, I, I do run that one. You can follow. Feel like cats because you know obviously it's the internet, so cats are always big. At Otis Ginger Tabby on Instagram, so you can find me there too. So you so you really can't do it all. 
<laughs> no, no. I mean, <laughs> I, mean I have an Instagram account for, for myself that's private. And then I've got a public one for my cat, a public one for my website. So when we, you know, started to make one for the dog, I'm like, eh, that's all you, girlfriend. That's all you, girl. <laughs> so, so there you have it, man. Paul is, in fact, human. But man, Paul, thank you so much. And uh, and obviously, you're always welcome to come on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, man. And, you know, I know you hear this all the time, but man, you've got like the greatest speaking voice and just always fun to listen. Um, you know, I'm always looking for stuff to have on the background when I'm working and I'm always picking podcasts and stuff. And yours is always right at the top of the list. I'm always cycling through it. So keep up the good work. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. This break was brought to you by Fanatics. Fanatics is your one-stop shop of all things sports. Go ahead and check it out. From NFL to NASCAR, Fanatics has you covered. So go ahead and check out the link on our bios at insert name FC on Instagram and Twitter. And go ahead and get yourself some shopping brought to you by Fanatics. Once again, thank you for Fanatics being a proud partner of insert name FC. All right, man, that's episode 113. I want to thank Paul M. Banks for coming on, man. I think my the relationship that I have with After Extra Time is a really special one. Uh, him and Stuart, man, just a great a great duo over there. Uh, love their podcast, man. Make sure you guys go ahead and check out After Extra Time. But also, man, the main man, Paul M. Banks, man. Check out sportsbank.net. Very active. A lot of great uh, articles that are being written up there on the sportsbank.net. Some of them from Stuart himself and also Paul and Banks. Um, also, man, if you guys are looking for a really good read, I know I said I don't read, but this is actually a book I did read. It's very informative, very good, especially if you're trying to understand why the hell soccer is so <laughs> so amazing here in, in this country. His book, Transatlantic Passage, How the English Premier League Redefines Soccer in America. Uh, but yeah, man, thank you, Paul, man. You know, always great to, to have you guys around. If you guys want to come on the show, just got to let me know and I'll, I'll gladly oblige. But yeah, man, that is episode 113. I want to give a shout out to Belly Up Sports, man. Uh, check out their website, bellyupsports.com. Follow them on Instagram and Twitter, at bellyupsports and at bellyupmedia. Always stay in the know of some of uh, what they're doing over there. They're working on some great things, man. Um, like I said, man, for us at here at Instagram Name FC, we are very grateful for being part of Belly Up Sports. Um, we truly feel welcomed in in that community. Um, just all the great podcasts that are there. Obviously, we've got High and Low with Kelsey and and DJ um, Kelsey. You know, was the super sub for for Insert Name FC. Um, maybe if I had better uh, more more time, I probably could have got him on. But hey, you know, I appreciate Kelsey. Love when he comes on. Uh, you know, Corner Booth. I was recently on Corner Booth. Uh, for one of their previous episodes, uh, go ahead and check it out, man. They're very fun podcasts. <laughs> bunch, bunch of Neanderthals, if you ask me. But overall, great podcast. But all in all, man, Belly Sports has been very supportive. We really appreciate that. Uh, we want to give a shout out to Alejandra. She created the Insert Name FC logo. I had a very, I just told her to go for it. Um, she came up with this very simplistic logo, which is what I love because of the fact that like. Our title is literally a, a joke. So is a is a joke about the MLS. And for her to come up with this very simple but very well done, like ironic uh badge was to me was just like this girl is just a fucking genius. <laughs> and so 
I, I really appreciate Alejandra. She does a lot of great work for us. Um, so uh, hit her up on Instagram, man. If you need some logo work done, at a.g.graphics for the next. Once again, at a.g.graphics for the next, man. Um, hit her up if, if you need some logo work done. Um, mention us. Maybe she'll, she'll hook you up. Uh, hook you up a little something. Um, also, man, shout out to Roosevelt Spencer. Um, I literally came into, I came to this guy asking him for some beats for the intro and outro of the show. And that ended up becoming a partnership where he became our show's producer. Um, you know, he's, a, he's an amazing producer, but even better with friends. Uh, you know, he's, he's definitely someone truly special to this podcast. I think he's the, he's the heartbeat of this podcast. Uh, no pun intended with the beat part. Uh, but you know, he's over there in, in, in Seattle now. Uh, maybe. Maybe a little bit more alleviating knowing that he has a little bit more time to, to get these episodes out. But hey, uh, really appreciate him so much so that we made him the namesake of the Roosevelt Spencer's Player of the Year Award, um, which looks like it's probably Robert Lewandowski that wins it. Um, but you can follow him on Instagram at that guy dope. If you guys need some beats done, hit up Spencer, man. He, you know, this guy, you guys listen to the intro and outro for these episodes, you would know how, how very gifted this guy is. So, yeah, we really appreciate it. But that is a, episode 113. Um, catch us next week for episode 114. Uh, also, hopefully everyone had a good have a good Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that's all I got, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Catch us next week. $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.